Greetings and salutations to all you sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain. Uh, welcome back to We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. I am your humble host, Rich Davenport, broadcasting from not-so-sunny Tonawanda, New York. And welcome back, all you sportsmen and women and conservationists alike. I uh, hope you had a good week. Uh, I'd first like to uh, start the program by uh, offering a hearty congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama for winning the Masters this year. The 2021 Masters concluded yesterday, Sunday. He won it by one stroke, becoming the first Japanese uh, golfer to win a Masters tournament. I believe that's on the men's side. I'm not sure about the women's side, but, you know, that uh, is something else. I think Tiger Woods said it's going to change uh, the game of golf and impact across the world. Uh, I'd just like to say congratulations, Hideki. You played a heck of a round of golf. Okay, as we get going here, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, gives you some updates locally on some things going on. First off, all the boat launches. I know the fishermen are, are wondering when last we spoke, uh, you know, boat launches were starting to get their docks in, so on and so forth, uh, but not all had really gotten to that point yet. Even though ice out was early this year, you know, whenever that happens, we tend to get caught a little flat-footed. Uh, but the boat launches are now opening. The, the launch in uh, uh, Hanover, Town of Hanover on Cataraugus Creek, uh, that one is open. The docks are in. They now uh, have the fish cleaning station and the restrooms open, but also they're now charging for a launch. Uh, the state launch at Sunset Bay uh, is still going through periodic closures to get all the docks and the slips in. Uh, but that should be completed. It was a little bit delayed due to inclement weather, and uh, that should be completed this week. So, uh, you know, the weekends are not impacted, but before you go down and make that long drive, you might want to check and see uh, whether or not those hours of operation are open. Uh, Sturgeon Point, that's a mess. They're probably not going to open this year. Uh, I know that there's a lot of things going on uh, behind the scenes. The DEC is working on some things with them and trying to get some movement, but it is uh, the responsibility of the town of Evans to get that going. And it's not just the dredging. It is also uh, that uh, break wall that is in structural failure, sediments blowing right through the wall. They do have the slips in, so there's that. But, uh, you know, you can put your boat in and enjoy a day at the, at the dock, but you're not getting out of the, uh, the harbor. Until something changes, that's not going to change. That's not uh, going to be possible to use that launch this year. Uh, but if something changes, believe me, I will certainly be uh, on there to tell you. Uh, some other things that are going on here, uh, this past weekend, uh, we had the New York State Conservation Council holding their spring legislative meeting. It was a Zoom meeting, of course, because of COVID, COVID, COVID. Uh, but I would have to say that it was a great uh, Zoom meeting, about 37, 38 participants, including uh, officials from the New York State DEC, Tony Wilkinson, Jim Farquhart, uh, big game biologist, uh, uh, Jeremy Hurst, uh, Amanda Bailey, she's uh, part of the Fur Bearers team and uh, Steve Hurst uh, Fisheries. Uh, they were all there providing DEC reports. Really good, really, uh, really productive. Uh, some of the positive things that I, I think that came out of it, uh, you know, I, I think that talking about the budget, the New York State budget, uh, some elements for the sportsmen were included in there. A couple weren't uh, or didn't make the final cut, I should say. Uh, the provision that has passed is lowering effectively the hunting age to age 12 so 12 and 13 year olds can use a firearm in new york state to hunt big game oh wait a minute scratch that 
actually it's not just big game at the last minute uh the bear was taken out because a legislator from what i understand downstate said uh, i have an objection to this um the bear are just a lot bigger than a 12 year old so they shouldn't be able to hunt them just deer i'm going to say that again a legislator had a problem with 12 year olds being too small because the bears are too big so you can't hunt them it's why they're called big game folks i mean you can't make this stuff up only in New York would you have a legislator say we can't let 12 and 13 year olds go out to hunt big game with a firearm because the big game is too big. I mean, last I checked, a mature white-tailed deer is probably bigger than your average 12 year old too. And when last I checked, your average mature black bear Bruin is probably bigger than every hunter that's out there too. But, well, okay, whatever. But they did at least lower the age. Or did they? Apparently, some provisions in this law, which is set to take effect in June of this year, I do believe, has a sunset of December 31st, 2023. But in order to take advantage of this potential new opportunity, as they're calling it a pilot, to make sure kids 12 and 13-year-old are safe with a firearm, um, you have to get the counties to buy in. So that excludes New York City, of course, Suffolk County and Long Island uh, and Westchester County. Uh, so apparently the 12 and 13 year olds there, the, the, uh, uh, the kids that could possibly hunt Long Island, well, you don't get the choice to do that. Uh, and if you're in Westchester County, you're not going to go ahead and do that. There's no hunting already in New York City unless you're a, a gangbanger on the streets. So, you know, using one of those laws that, or guns that a law-abiding citizen is precluded to have. Uh, but neither here nor there, uh, I guess the, you have to get the counties, the rest of them, to buy in in order to allow that junior hunting. Now, never mind the fact that uh, for a long, long time, junior hunters uh, age 12 and 13 can hunt small game with a firearm. Uh, that includes wild turkey, uh, upland birds, uh, squirrels, rabbits, uh, fur bearers you can hunt with a firearm. Anything that you can hunt, you can hunt with a firearm. The 12 and 13 year olds can do that, uh, including coyote and use of centerfire rifles. Um, waterfowl, my goodness, we got waterfowl hunts, youth waterfowl hunts all the time. Um, 12 and 13 year olds can do that. And 12 and 13 year olds can even hunt big game, that's deer and bear, with a bow. But they can't hunt big game, especially bear. No bear hunting with a gun. You can own a bow, no bear hunting with a gun. Um, mystifying. And, uh, of course, the same you know, uh, provisions and prohibitions are in place where you have to have a qualified mentor accompanying that youth hunter. That's universal throughout any hunt um, up until you're age 16. Uh, but, uh, you know, qualified mentor with at least three years' experience. Over the age of 21, uh, if you're not an immediate family member, then you have to have permission from the parent or guardian uh, in writing in order to take them out. Uh, have to be within uh, voice control. You can't let them roam around and no tree stands. And everybody thinks, my God, you know, with the modern tree stands now today, side by side, climbing up there, you know, they're totally safe. Uh, teaching a young person how to handle a safety harness and how to properly, uh, safely uh, navigate the pitfalls and such of tree stands. I would think that would be something you'd want to teach. Um, most people are now hunting out of tree stands as the forests uh, have matured and the grasslands have been supplanted. And, of course, it's a lot safer when you're up at an elevated position automatically shooting down. But, you know, that's not good for the kids. It makes no sense. That's only in New York State. Um, neither here nor there. We do have some positive things. But the negative, of course, is... Um, 
the counties have to sign on. So the New York State Conservation Council Big Game Committee has crafted a letter which will be distributed out to the counties and uh, regions and uh, the board of directors for use. We're going to have to reach out to each one of the counties and request to get on uh, the docket. They have to pass a local ordinance to allow 12 and 13 year olds to hunt. And again, that's going to sunset at the end of 2023. But, you know, it did make national news. Uh, Fox News actually put that up there. Um, they did erroneously report that it covered big game. They must not have uh, been too believing of uh, a legislator jumping up and having an objection because bear are too big for 12-year-old kids to hunt. Um, so they called it big game, but it's not. It's just deer. Uh, New York State also did, uh, on the subject of bears, uh, we had a second highest harvest in uh, record for bear harvest, and uh, that made national news, so that was kind of nice. Um, we've actually been sustaining a harvest near uh, record levels for the past decade now. It, it, that really shows uh, this population is really, really uh, benefiting from natural succession and the more increased forests that we have in New York State and how those forests are maturing and aging, uh, it's, it's really something else. But we do need bear hunters in New York. They are still uh, in the Catskills area, especially uh, causing a lot of uh, deer-bear conflicts uh, or bear-human, rather, conflicts and deer-bear, too, because the bear do eat the fawns and they're, they're impacting uh, uh, some of the, the successful uh, fawn recruitment into the, into the new... Uh, routine as you if you will but uh you know those things are very positive we did make national news on that and pennsylvania also did make national news uh and on fox news anyhow um that they've recorded a record harvest for the first time uh in their history they took uh, quite a number of, of bucks they they have the highest recorded uh, harvest since antler restriction was taken in effect, anyhow. Um, it's only been 17 years in the making. That's a long time. You know, it sounds like, you know, 14 days to flatten the curve. Well, it was just uh, 17 years for three years for a normal harvest. Um, you know, Pennsylvania, since they implemented their mandatory antler restrictions back in 2003, saw a near 50% drop in hunters, and that's jumped back up. They used to have a million hunters in that state, as reported by uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife and their survey on wildlife and hunting and fishing and uh, wildlife-related recreation uh, going back to 2001. They had 998,000 hunters. It's now they're, they're touting 650 or 700,000 hunters. Um, yeah, that's real good. But anyhow, at least they, they did recover. It took them 17 years to do that. Uh, just remember, New York, that we don't have a mandatory antler restriction, although there is uh, a bill that's being floated. They're looking for sponsors, the same group of folks that have always been pushing mandatory antler restrictions in New York, or as they call it, the yearling buck protection. Um, you know, they've got another bill out there. We're going to stomp on it again. There is no biological reason. The harvest makeup is, you know, voluntary is very similar to the 17-year-long mandatory effort over in Pennsylvania without the pain and suffering of losing all those hunters. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Bottom line is we still have, whether it's mandatory or whether it's voluntary, you still have close to 50% of those one-and-a-half-year-old bucks making up the antlered harvest. If you're going to protect an animal, you want to make sure that it protects the majority of them, and 50% uh, is nowhere near effective. Uh, so it's just really not um, not feasible at all. Uh, other things that came out of the NYSCC, the New York State Conservation Council Spring Meeting, we've got a couple of resolutions that are on uh, for consideration uh, for the uh, sportsmen and women. One of them deals with you know, developing a training course for guides that are going to be taking out disabled vets, wounded vets, and uh, veterans that have come back that may be showing PTSD. Those are the overt uh, 
or covert uh, symptoms or covert uh, uh, disabilities that you may not recognize. I mean, it's easy to know when you have a wounded vet that, uh, you know, maybe lost a limb during service and, you know, made a hell of a sacrifice. Uh, and making sure that you're well trained to to deal with the issues if you're taking them out on a boat or if you're taking them uh, a field to do some hunting uh, isn't a bad idea. But you know PTSD is also something that you know you don't visibly see that. Uh, so that's the uh, one resolution coming out, and uh, the other one from Erie County is uh, dealing with seeking a permanent moratorium on offshore wind turbine development in any New York waters of the Great Lakes. So that's moving forward. Those will be considered in September at the uh, the main convention. Don't know yet if it's going to be virtual or if we can actually hold an in-person, you know, the, the COVID rules, COVID, COVID, COVID hasn't changed yet, uh, despite those uh, emergency powers really expiring at the end of this month. Um, they should have been stripped a long time ago, but, uh, you know, since constitutionally it only calls for 30 days plus a 15-day, then a 10-day extension, and then after that, that's it. But, you know, we don't follow the law. We just make it up as we go in New York State. Anything that Albany wants is Albany gets, right? Um, so, you know, we're going to take a quick break here. But when we come back, um, you know, we're going to just, just do a little bit deep dive and a whole bunch of other things coming on. Welcome back to We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. Thank you, guys. I'm Rich Davenport. And uh, just wanted to come back and say, hey, thanks for joining and thanks for listening. Uh, all right, so to, to further clarify some things, um, you know, during our... Uh, spring legislative meeting uh the new york state conservation council spring legislative meeting that was held saturday april 10th um uh, you know we one of the things that was talked about uh was the uh, new deer plan that's coming up uh comments are being still uh tabulated they're almost done with that uh there are making some changes based on some of the comments uh but one of the things that was discussed as a comment uh, that was missing from this plan was some insight and some study as to the impacts that industrial wind factories and industrial solar arrays are having on big game. Uh, back when the, the uh, study was released, the draft, or not study, the uh, draft proposal for the deer management plan, the 10-year update, um, they have some things in there that, you know, want to study forest regeneration. Uh, they're looking for more insight into uh, how deer eat, I guess. Do they use a napkin or do they just, you know, chow down? We've had 17 years of uh, studies that come out on forest impacts that deer have. 
uh, how many studies have we had on industrial wind turbine impacts, yet we're installing them right across the rural area, the rural landscape, uh, and we have really no idea what impacts deer and bear are actually going through. Uh, Vermont did a study on the bears and impacts on black bear, but it was more related to perennial feeding areas with beach stands. And a lot of beach stands, because they have a lot of a lot of forests that were on the the chopping block, no pun intended. Uh, when Vermont started seeing a bunch of wind turbines go up, and some studies were done because, you know, black bear are kind of creatures of habit, and you've got perennial stands in in the late summer, early fall, of beech nuts dropping. They're going to be feeding up on that in advance of hibernation. That's like the last gasp kind of thing. You're going to be eating acorns and beech nuts, and they keep coming back to the same stands year in and year out. And if those were removed, what would happen to the bear? Where would they go? How would they deal with that particular change, considering it's so ingrained and imprinted on them, that uh, to come back to those those food sources. And uh, the mitigation that was come up, uh, that, that was developed out of that, rather, I should say, uh, was the wind developer was going to have to purchase additional acreage to replace the acreage and make sure they plant beech trees on it. Even though the beech trees are going to take time to grow, they're going to cut down, they're going to put up these turbines, and then they're going to buy some property. And, you know, maybe they're going to put signs up or something for the bears. You know, when they, they see a wind turbine instead of a beech stand, you know, the sign points that way to the beech trees. I I don't know, but that they're not looking at the things that really are, you know, dangerous and impacting of people too, and that's the ever burgeoning understanding of infrasound or low frequency noise. I've talked about that last week on infrasound and the impacts underwater in a marinized environment. We know about this more so than we do on on land terrestrially. I, I don't know why uh, people can talk and communicate and animals can't. Um, maybe that's why we're not studying these impacts on deer and bear to know uh, what's going on and, and believe me I'm not throwing barbs or buses at the biologists and the wildlife managers in New York State these people are very very dedicated they love what they do they love the wildlife they love the habitat and you know that is first and foremost in their minds is that they want to make sure everything is protected on that end uh, higher up not so much higher up not so much and you know, that's that's just a, a condition that I'm sure they're trying to work through. But there are no plans to do any studies on what industrial wind factories do to, to bear and deer movement. Uh, what does the infrasound do? Uh, every creature that has an inner ear structure is going to be impacted by infrasound. Uh, people, for instance, uh, seems to be the impact is to those who are susceptible already to motion sickness and vertigo. Uh, you really have the strongest, at least reported, impacts and symptoms of anxiety and sleepless nights and migraines and dizziness, vertigo, etc. Uh, nausea and, and, and chest pains, chest tightness, uh, difficulty breathing at times. You know, these are what are reported, and it seems to be related more so to uh, those who have uh, a predisposal or, or a malformation of those inner ear structures. It happens, it's normal, it's, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, helps with balance, and when you lose your balance, you get an inner ear infection. I mean, people get that, you understand that importance of those inner ear structures, but bears have inner ear structures, deer have inner ear structures, so everything that can hear has an inner ear structure. Um, why aren't we looking into that? I mean, if we're going to be disturbing many, many square miles of acreage, 
that is used by our wildlife and that is uh, used for recreation, uh, wildlife management activities, etc. Wouldn't we want to know about what these things are going to do? I mean, that's just me. And But there's no plans for it, so I, I would recommend that people reach out and start putting some pressure on uh, the right folks to, to get that study done because walking in blind is just not not good at all. Uh, there's been also some other banter out there on uh, Facebook, uh, Citizens Against uh, Wind Turbines in Lake Erie. Uh, they're a group, along with many, that are fighting the industrialization of the Great Lakes uh, through these wind factories. Uh, but, you know, there's been some concerns that, you know, this is a done deal. It's not a done deal. New York may think it's a done deal, but this is an international waterway subject to federal and international treaties, federal law, international treaties. Uh, the lighthouse, pro the icebreaker rather, icebreaker project in Ohio ran into a roadblock where it was discovered that despite uh, the demands from U.S. Fish and Wildlife and uh, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, better known as NOAA, uh, they requested uh, detailed environmental impact studies to be done on what these things, these uh, monstrosities, these pin pinwheels on steroids, uh, could have on the fisheries in Lake Erie. I mean, after all, Lake Erie, it's now once again, like back in the day before the industrial pollution, makes up a little over 50% of the total commercial uh, harvest in terms of total tonnage every year. And the other four Great Lakes uh, combined make up the balance. Uh, but that's big. That's that's a lot of livelihoods. That's a huge economy across two different countries. Uh, what are the environmental impacts? Well, apparently the developer, through their consultant, uh, decided to just submit a copy-paste environmental assessment, and that was accepted as environmental impact study. And then it was revealed the American Bird Conservancy and a few others uh, got together in a lawsuit. They examined what was submitted in terms of uh, that and found that it fell well short of what U.S. Fish and Wildlife and uh, NOAA had requested. And a federal judge agreed. And uh, so that put that project on hold. Uh, I would think we would want... Uh, more detailed studies and more information because once this thing moves forward you're going to see the international joint commission and you're going to see ontario you know a province that uh you know encompasses all the great lakes the four of the five they share with us uh lake michigan of course is solely in the united states um they're going to put a kibosh on this there's a already a moratorium on offshore wind development in the great lakes in uh ontario canada there are no, no chance no plans whatsoever to change that and uh, they're going to be the first ones that are going to jump up as soon as that, those projects try to move forward. Why do we have to continually sue each other to do these things? Why can't we, you know, operate with wisdom, understand cost-benefit and risk-reward, and, you know, the, the proper perspective of fresh water is most important. Uh, it's certainly more important to have clean, healthy drinking water than it is to have electricity. I mean, if you don't believe me... I more than welcome anybody to try a little experiment you know you go without uh, electricity for a couple of weeks and then go without fresh water for a couple of weeks and at the end of the time we'll uh, you know discuss with you uh, what your findings are but uh, you know if you go without fresh water for a couple of weeks we may be talking to you through a Ouija board not so much with electricity oh we may have to get a, a psychic to conduct a seance you know it, Maybe tarot cards, maybe you can go there. I don't know. Uh, but we need to get back to that. And fortunately, 
we do have this international boundary water treaty that that governs the waters and there's certainly concern and certainly economy that's happening from things above the water whether it be boating or diving i mean lake erie is one of the the most uh, amazing and spectacular places to see shipwrecks believe it or not and since the zebra mussel has come through back in the 1990s it actually you know being a filter feeder it, it reduced a lot of the turbidity naturally as it filtered out those uh, uh sediment peri particles and uh, the water clarity on the right days you know rivals that of you know the eastern caribbean uh, St. Martin area. I mean, you can really see for a long, long way, and it makes for a, a really fun and enjoying time to to go and visit all those shipwrecks. And Lake Erie's got, you know, this rec it's recognized as the most dangerous of the Great Lakes for all the shipwrecks that it has out there. Uh, you know, some of these shipwrecks may also be, you know, considered hallowed ground if, uh, you know, captain and crew went down with the ship. Uh, what are we doing here, you know? Um, these things need to be protected and it's not just a done deal and there is some confusion out there on that uh, citizens campaign against uh, these wind turbines uh, citizens against wind turbines in Lake Erie I apologize I am a member of that group by the way uh, full disclosure um, but there's you know some folks have been seeing NOAA vessels out there doing tight grid uh, sonar surveys and are thinking that that's a part of these wind turbines uh, that's not uh, NOAA is uh, part of the Great Lakes Angler Telemetry Observation System, GLOTOS. It is a telemetry study. There are active ARFID chip readers down on the bottom of Lake Erie. They're spread out every 15 kilometers, and Lake Erie looks like a battleship grid. All, four, all five Great Lakes have uh, arrays of sensors, and you know what's going on is that in some species like walleye and sturgeon and muskie, uh, soon to be lake trout, I believe as well. Uh, they're inserting wildlife officials across New York and Pennsylvania and Ohio and Michigan and Ontario, Canada. Uh, they are inserting these fish with uh, radio frequency identification chips that uh, when they pass by the sensors, they record that information as to when they pass by, uh, you know, date and time and so on. And what's the identification of that chip? What's the species that can be correlated back? Uh, at the end of the year, these things are then, with these little readers that are down at the bottom, are, are collected. They're jettisoned off. They, they're the little device that holds them on the bottom. And uh, you get within, you know, a few kilometers of these things. It is reading these chips as uh, you know these are discrete chips they have serial they're serialized they have serial numbers on them so each is unique and uh that information is uh you know re referred back and collected by these collectors and the NOAA vessel goes out and collects them in the fall and then they go back and you know replace them i think that what they're doing is collecting one and then dropping a new one down or they may be you know, downloading the information and sending it back down so they can collect more data. But it's done, I believe, annually. They collect the stuff in the fall. Uh, maybe they're out. I'd have to ask uh, uh, some of the fisheries folks uh, to find out if if they actually are there year-round. They just pull and drop. But these are pulled out. That's what NOAA is doing. Uh, they're not part of wind turbine studies. Uh, and there is disinformation that is out there. Uh, but, you know, rest assured that they're not a part of this. That would have to be a vessel that is hired by the developer. 
the developer is responsible for these things. Uh, they had a buoy out, uh, you know, doing some wind speed gauging and some, some tidal gauging uh, between Sturgeon Point and Sunset Bay last year. It was dropped in. Mike Clancy from the New York State DEC gave us that heads up uh, last winter in January that they would be doing it. Uh, but believe me, NOAA is not providing their resources for this. It's nice try, but no, that's not the case. Um, nevertheless, you know, we are keeping our eyes obviously peeled on this. There are still no requests for proposals, uh, for projects. They're doing a feasibility study. According to NYSERDA, we're supposed to hear about that in the fall where they're coming for by the end of 2021. Um, but neither here nor there, uh, there's a lot of international hurdles to go over and, uh, yeah, we're a long way off yet, but we need to make sure that these people understand that uh, industrializing the Great Lakes was a folly that we already did. And regardless of what you're using, industrialization of our fresh water is, you know, never going to be anything good. Uh, so, you know, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to take this time to also discuss uh, real quick some of the fishing updates that we have. Uh, we've got the trout management plan that's in place. Uh, We've also got some changes that were done to the regulation booklet itself, which again is delayed because of these uh, uh, regulations being adopted and having to go through such a process. And they finally got everything listed in the uh, the uh, state registrar um, by the end of March so they could take effect. And that was really good. But it delayed the printing of the uh, regulations guidebook. And they've got a new format on the regulations guidebook. They've taken all the advertising and all the uh, uh, informational articles and such out of it to reduce its size so it now once again fits in your tackle box. So that's good. They're going to see how that works out. Um, you know, hopefully we, we see something on that. There's also the panfish plan. Uh, you know, the panfish management plan was how it was published but it's not really a management plan. Uh, you know, looking at uh, reducing limits, maybe increasing uh, opportunity to catch sunfish and crappie. Uh, there also is in there some trophy water ideas. There are no biological reasons for this. Uh, it's to enhance an opportunity. Uh, I think the jury's still out on that. Uh, again, panfish are also a forage species, you know, sunfish crappies, etc., musky pike and bass, they they eat those as part of their diet. And, you know, if they get too large to be eaten, what happens? Um, but, you know, we've got these changes. They are looking to do some things. Uh, hopefully we can do the right things and not, you know, harm ourselves in the process. It would be a, certainly a, a welcome way to operate. And uh, we're going to take a quick break now, and I'll give you back to Bob Marley. Welcome you all back again to We Love Outdoors. Thanks for sticking around. And, and uh, you know, we're here from sunny Tonawanda. Not so sunny today. But uh, 
you know, we are here, and uh, thank you for joining us again on this podcast. Uh, we did talk about some of the things in the uh, New York State budget. Uh, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about, uh, just to warn everybody, even though we have this lowering of the age, uh, you know, some recalcitrant counties may tell uh, sportsmen and women that they have to get town support before they pick it up. Uh, so really, they didn't do you a lot of favors with this. Uh, I hope that we all can, you know, recognize that. I mean, we should have just lowered the age flat out and been done with it. But, um, you know, New York State does what it does. So just be aware that it could be a, it could be a, a, a little bit longer uh, slogging, if you will, than uh, we would anticipate or we would like. Uh, one of the things that didn't make the budget that has been in the budget for the last several years now, or last few anyhow, has been crossbow inclusion into early archery. And I know this one is a uh, subject that has a lot of passion amongst uh, hunters, archers, uh, etc. in New York State. has always been a battle, and in 2014, I believe it was, um, in the budget process, the crossbow compromise that we have today was inserted. And uh, that pretty much gives us what we have today. You know, we've got uh, the crossbow tied to the muzzleloader privilege, which, you know, precludes youth from using it uh, that are age 12 and 13. Uh, as we discussed earlier, 12 and 13-year-old junior hunters may use archery gear, you know, cross, and crossbows notwithstanding, they can't use those. Uh, but they can use a recurve, they can use a compound bow, minimum 35-pound draw, uh, under supervision for big game, deer and bear. They can't use the firearm for big game. Uh, 14-year-olds can use a firearm, can use a muzzleloader, can use the crossbow, uh, but 12- and 13-year-olds cannot. And uh, with this new pilot bill that has gone through, it's NCON Law 110935, for those who are tracking it by bill number, or by law number, I should say. It's Environmental Conservation Law now, uh, 110935. Uh, for those who are tracking it that way. Uh, but we still are trying to get this, this crossbow thing done. And once again, the full inclusion to tie it to archery, to require an archery uh, hunter safety course, archery safety course, uh, those efforts, again, were removed from the budget. And, uh, you know, so we're trying to get that done. Uh, you know, it would eliminate some of the things like uh, the last two weeks, it would be full inclusion into the archery season. Uh, would eliminate the arbitrary 200-pound max draw weight. That doesn't make any sense to me. There's also the minimum length, the limb length, a total of 17 inches, I believe it is, uh, which I think was an anti-poaching thing, you know, because, you know, you know, of course, if it's, you know, smaller than 17 inch, you're going to shoot it out of the vehicle window, but if it's greater than 17 inch, you magically can't, as if you can't lean out the window. Um, it doesn't make any sense, but, you know, we it's been pushed and pushed and pushed and i personally don't like you know now again this is not an official position don't get me wrong uh but i personally don't like using the budget process for these things i like legislation that is not connected to a budget uh to be standalone legislation i don't like pork being added to bills you know if, if you're going to do a covid relief plan you're not bailing out uh uh, New York for the fiscal irresponsibility, and you're not funding uh, lesbian female relations studies in Pakistan. Uh, same thing with the New York state budget. Why are we doing things 
that don't relate to the budget, like crossbow. I mean, I get why you're doing it, because we might have some recalcitrant committee members in the Environmental Conservation Committees of the House and, or the, the Assembly and the Senate. Uh, and when you go through the budget process, it doesn't get debated by NCON, it gets debated by Ways and Means. But boy, is that a bad precedent, isn't it? I mean, you could put everything into the budget and, you know, not have any proper debate at their proper committee level, and magically it gets done. Um, the Home Rule in New York State, for instance, uh, Article 23 in last year's budget, and it's been further uh, strengthened, and, and I use that term in quotes, strengthened, because what New York State is doing is centralizing the power to Albany and eliminating your county and town rights. I will repeat that. When it comes to large-scale renewable energy projects to meet the arbitrary and capricious goals set forth now in the climate change law for all these different targets, emissions-free or 70% emissions reduction of plant food uh, by 2035 and by 2040, having all this wind energy and solar capabilities, installed capacity, which has no relationship whatsoever to actual output. Um, these things are going to require some expeditious approval to get these projects built it doesn't address interconnects you know we've got wind factories across new york state that have no interconnect to the industrial grid despite being there for 15 16 years on a 20-year supposed life cycle they still haven't been interconnected into the grid directly because they can't meet the the, the minimum standards for reliability one of those is 30 percent of nameplate capacity delivered to the grid 24 7 365 for base load planning and uh, forecasting um, no wind factory nor solar array can meet that, even though it's halved uh, for traditional. The traditional is 60% of nameplate capacity. That would be for coal. That would be for natural gas or hydroelectric or nuclear or dual fuel. Uh, but these renewables, wind and solar, no, they don't have to meet that. So uh, to make it possible to get them in the grid, and they still can't get in the grid, uh, really makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So... You know, even though we have that condition, uh, you can't have the locals saying, well, what about our health or what about our farmlands? You know, we're going to have zoning ordinance. Uh, we have zoning ordinances here to keep our skyline from becoming a concrete skyscraper or jungle. Uh, you can have two-story buildings, three-story at the most, and here comes this 600-foot turbine array. Uh, well, that zoning law is uh, harmful and uh uh, detrimental to our scheme, so we're going to override your zoning laws to protect the citizenry and maintain the way of life that the community has in your town, ask the towns of freedom and bliss and such, uh, and you don't have a say. That's what New York State has been doing with these things. So they continually are pushing and taking away your rights, and they're doing it through the budget process, where you can't have that proper uh, discussion and debate through your representatives that may be on the right committee, the uh, energy committees and environmental conservation committees, because you're damaging habitat in the process of cutting down trees and putting up square miles worth of uh, uh, wind turbines and solar arrays. I mean, it just, it's, you no longer have that say as a locality. Uh, again, the Great Lakes are a little bit different. There's nobody that owns the lake bottom. It's held in trust on behalf of the people of 
New York State, and those are only the, the boundary, uh, the, the floor of that lake in, within the boundaries of New York. Uh, New York doesn't control the water, but there are no towns or villages that have any kind of uh, uh, zoning laws or health standard laws, etc. cetera, uh, health and safety laws out on the lake bottom. You've got, you know, the shoreline from its uh, low water mark, I believe it is, that what you own, or maybe it's the high water mark, and that's it, and you don't you don't have the water. The water is, is the public, especially if it's a navigable waterway. And since it's an international waterway, it's got international you know, entanglements. Um, but, you know, they're pushing forward on a lot of different projects. Uh, and the budget, certainly, the precedent was set in part by the 2014 crossbow uh, inclusion. And we're seeing a lot of that abuse of the 30-day amendment process by the governor that we have of the state today who's still in office I can't believe it he's got 10 women accusing him of sexual harassment he's got uh, favorable treatment being given on very short COVID test supplies back early in the uh, epidemic and uh, he covered up over half of the uh, nursing home deaths uh, from his own executive order of March 25th 2020 I still have a copy of that I screen scraped it before he took it down Mr. Governor and uh, you know he suppressed half of that so he could get a lucrative book deal um, he got an Emmy Award and uh, could avoid scrutiny from the feds so well, how he's still in office I don't know but he's still there and uh, you know until we can you know summon up the political will to get rid of this person who really has no trust anymore of the people I mean he's just doing what he wants to do uh, he's not answerable to the people and I think you know predominantly he has lost uh, the consent to govern but you know he has been notorious for abusing this 30-day amendment power he will within 30 days of the enactment date which is April 1st every year the New York State has to pass a budget or else I don't know what the else ever is um, you know a degradation of credit rating I, I don't think an on-time budget is you know nearly important to the credit rating is solvency and you know we have a 14 billion dollar deficit and climbing on a 212 billion dollar budget are you kidding me uh this is new york state for crying out loud what are we spending 212 billion dollars on it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but we're taxing the hell out of people and we're watching people flee this state and uh let's you know exacerbate that by eliminating the towns and the villages capabilities of keeping those people who wish to stay who wish to keep paying property taxes safe and healthy and enjoying that uh lifestyle and that quality of life and quality of surroundings that they purchased that property uh in that town for to begin with beautiful thing you know same thing with wildlife i mean if you want to go out into the rural areas you're doing that for the wildlife let's destroy that wildlife it makes a whole lot of sense right Ah, uh, goodness i tell you it's so much fun in new york state um just kind of sometimes it can really really make you think uh why am i here right um you know we've also got uh, uh another bill that's you know working its way and we did discuss a little bit about that at the uh, spring meeting um that s5053 uh the uh or 5058. Uh, I apologize. The uh, uh, bill to ban use of lead ammunition on all state lands and such. Uh, hopefully that doesn't go anywhere. There's a lot of ramifications to this, and there is no science and data that supports it. There, it just doesn't doesn't exist. But apparently, when somebody makes enough noise. Uh, now you have to do something. It's not that they have to prove that there's a problem. It's just that you have to make noise. Uh, we got a lot of that going around. You know, let's, you know, jump up and down and set our hair on fire 
and uh, just do something for the sake of doing it in New York without looking at, you know, logically and, uh, you know, with data and with facts uh, in a sober fashion, examine the issue and see if there really needs to be done something done at all. Um, just because you're offended or you're scared or whatnot is not uh, justification to pass laws and to make regulations and change the world and violate your rights. Uh, you know, only in New York would you have that. Um, something else, I tell you. We're going to take another quick break right away here, and uh, we'll be back to you for the final segment of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. I am your humble host, Rich Davenport. Uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, for the final segment, we're going to be talking about some of the neat things that are going on uh, and coming up, uh, some events and things like that. So, you know, you understand what's going on in the great outdoors. Uh, you know, first off, we are in the month of April, which means that spring turkey season is just around a corner. It starts uh, opening day is Saturday, May 1st. Uh, May 1st is a busy day. We've got a lot of opening days going on besides uh, spring turkey season, which encompasses the entire month of May, from May 1st to May 31st. Uh, half hour before sunrise to 12 noon are the shooting hours. There's no afternoon hunting in spring turkey. You can only take bearded birds. Those are the toms, the gobblers, jakes, uh, no hens. Hens are off limits, and you have a two-bird limit per season for each uh, person statewide. Uh, really a lot of fun, but we also have a youth spring turkey hunt coming up at the end of April. Uh, that is, again, fast approaching, so uh, we've got those opportunities for the kids age 12 and up. Again, there's that, that hunting age again. Age 12 and up can go and enjoy uh, the spring turkey hunt. Uh, May 1st is also the first Saturday of May. And that's a uh, landmark day for opening days for anglers. That opens the statewide season for walleye and northern pike and tiger muskie. And it also is the traditional opener of the uh, trophy bass season on Lake Erie, uh, which is a one fish a day, 20 inch. But they kind of got rid of that. Uh, they did a 20 inch minimum, one fish a day, uh, which is pretty much through the entire uh, closed season of the statewide season, which, you know, statewide bass is third Saturday of June through November 30th. So December 1 through the third Friday in June on Lake Erie is your trophy bass season. You may use. Um, you know, a, a live bait or artificial only, you may keep one bass, uh, 20 inch or bigger. Uh, that period of time across the state, with some exceptions of different waters, uh, is also the catch and release artificial only season for bass. You know, see, bass doesn't close anymore in New York State predominantly. Um, that was done a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, so there's that opportunity as well. But, you know, you've got crappie fishing that is starting to really percolate out there. 
Uh, they're now settling in on their spawning areas. They're feeding up, uh, getting away from the canals and getting out over the emerging weed beds in lakes like Chautauqua and Bear. Bear, by the way, is uh, one of those lakes that's on the uh, target for the proposed uh, crappie trophy water. Um, you know, but you got Bear and Finley Lake. Uh, the Barge Canal, Erie Barge Canal, has got a lot of good uh, crappie fishing, as does the Niagara River and the Buffalo River. Uh, there are many little ponds around, farm ponds and such, that you may find crappies. They're a very, very, very popular uh, uh, panfish to go after. And uh, just remember, it's a 9-inch minimum uh, length for a keeper size. 25 a day is your uh, your crappie limit. Uh, they're open year-round. Uh, but we are looking forward to these opening days on May 1st. Absolutely phenomenal. And the youth hunting, of course, is uh, you know important. Uh, and it's also important to support your local conservation clubs. Now, COVID, COVID, COVID has taken a toll on our local clubs and organizations across the state. Uh, many clubs haven't been able to operate in uh, you know over a year. Uh, that means a loss of fundraising, a loss of potential bar revenue if they have a property with a bar and a liquor license. Uh, you know, fundraisers, meat raffles. Uh, you know, these things are are critical to keeping these conservation clubs, you know, operating. Uh, they make up the organized sportsmen and women that are, you know, part of the county federations. The counties are, you know, without those uh, local clubs, really are nothing. And that resonates right up to the, North, the uh, New York State Conservation Council. And everybody has had troubles, uh, you know, really fundraising. I know Erie County and, and Niagara County and Chautauqua County. Uh, we really saw, you know, that banquet season, which was earlier this year, uh, you know, last week would have been uh, Chautauqua County's uh, uh, annual banquet, or maybe it would have been even been today, uh, but they had to cancel these things. These are fundraisers that are done. Uh, and remember, all of these, these clubs, you know, they're the ones that sponsor the youth hunts, the youth pheasant hunt, the youth turkey hunts. They're the ones that have the members that volunteer to be the hunter educators. Uh, we have, you know, kids fishing clinics that right now are still in limbo this year because we don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of cancellations. The good news is, is that the Erie County Fair right now is still uh, a go. So that's nice. That's in August. But we're seeing a lot of things that are getting canceled. And despite that, these clubs are now starting to come back. They're starting to reopen, um, even though their hours may be a little bit curtailed, uh, you know, due to these COVID, COVID, COVID uh, arbitrary and capricious rules. Uh, we're doing the best we can. And we do hope that you support uh, all of these groups. You know, they're, they're coming out with raffles. Uh, hopefully we will see uh, these kids' clinics coming out. Uh, but there's, there's going to be fundraisers. There's going to be efforts to try to recuperate some of these losses. And this is across everything, not just the uh, sportsmen and women for sure. But, uh, you know, if we want to keep these opportunities and keep growing, um, keep the Conservation Council doing some of the work that, you know, like like crafting these letters to be used at the county level or, you know, these, these resolution processes to help, you know, set positions to protect and, and better defend our resources and our wildlife. Uh, you really need to consider not only joining a club, but, you know, understand that, you know, they need funds too. And, uh, you know, they, they're hurting this year. Everybody's hurting because of COVID, COVID, COVID. So, uh, you know, things are opening up again. Hopefully we will be seeing uh, some more activity. Uh, next weekend is, on Sunday, is the Western New York Environmental Federation meeting. We haven't met in a while. 
uh, you know, since last fall before the second lockdown happened. So, you know, we're looking forward to that, even though we spend it uh, on a Sunday, you know, to, you know, afternoon, it's once a quarter, we get together with the DEC officials at the regional level. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot on the table that we're going to be discussing. I'll be sure to report back, uh, you know, any kind of developments out of there for you next week at the next uh, We Love Outdoors episode here. Uh, nevertheless, we've got great fishing coming up too. Uh, the perch fishing has really been a highlight in the eastern basin this year. Uh, from what I've heard, uh, not so much on the western basin, and there are some considerations in Ohio that does have, uh, you know, that does uh, put some pressure on the populations in the western basin. They are managed based on total allowable catch from the person management board. Uh, they're having some troubles on the western side. They don't really know why. Uh, you know, it looks like maybe from their end or their perspective, a population dip and perch are cyclical. You'll have good years, you'll have bad years. Uh, that's similar to walleye, uh, but uh, they're looking at taking their limit down to 10 fish a day. Now, New York State is right now not considering moving off the 50 fish a day for Great Lakes yellow perch. Uh, and right now, our fishing has been better than we've ever seen. Uh, the schools normally in the spring we have to follow pods around and this year we've got a lot of schools of fish I, we've also got a lot of bait here i haven't seen the bait that we have here in the eastern basin uh at the levels that i'm seeing uh, just looking over the side of the vessel while i'm fishing i can see bait actually flashing from a foot down and it's you know from the fish finder we can see it's you know pretty much solid all the way down to 60. Um, a lot of bait a lot of big fish a lot of fishermen are bringing limits home and uh you know a lot of smiles so we don't see that maybe the fish have moved maybe there's some changes that have happened and they've moved uh you know I, i'm not sure if the the limit needs to be changed just yet uh it could be an overreaction to conditions who knows but just to be aware there may be conversations that are coming up uh revolving around new york's uh, uh daily limit for yellow perch uh but it's cyclical. No, it's not harvesting the females that are loaded with eggs. Each you know female can lay up to 500,000 eggs, and it doesn't take too many females making it to you know repopulate a lake. So they don't spawn like bass do in small numbers and guard the fry. Big numbers, giant fish fun together and just make one big soup, and then they don't guard the fry. The fry are on their own. Uh, they succeed with massive numbers, and they overwhelm the predators with massive numbers. Uh, so it's a bit different. I know people like to apply uh, the thinking and rationale that, you know, all fish spawn the same, but no, it's not people taking fish in the spring that's causing a problem. It's not even close to that. Uh, but just to be aware of it, but the, the fishing right here in, in our basin is just fantastic. And we're seeing a lot of walleye mixing in uh, with your uh, perch catch, and... You know, you got to release them now, but come May 1st when the season opens, it should be a lot of fun. And, you know, at least early part of the uh, walleye season when you're fishing with the yellow perch as well, uh, you know, you're you're saving money on that gas uh, bill and gasoline prices are coming up. Uh, that may, you know, put more of a damper on the walleye fishing this year. But, um, you know, hopefully we won't see $4, $5, $6 at, uh, you know, at the marina. Uh, I believe we're already seeing 4 but uh, 5 and $6. Hopefully we're not seeing that uh, this year because that will definitely uh, hurt uh, walleye fishing and the trolling and the time spent. But that time spent will then be my, moved over to focus on, say, smallmouth bass or yellow perch. A lot of people will fish for yellow perch. And uh, with the walleye mixing in in the spring, it's a heck of a lot of fun. You, you 
dropping down a couple of minnows down there, and you might pull up a 7-pound, 8-pound walleye. Really a lot of fun. Uh, really good time, and, uh, you know, hopefully people can get out and enjoy it. All the boat launches should be open, uh, you know, excluding Sturgeon Point uh, within the, the coming days. And, uh, you know, so access shouldn't be an issue. Uh, one of the notable exceptions could be Barcelona Harbor. Uh, Barcelona has a siltation problem. Even though they don't have a problem with their break wall, a lot of uh, high wind events over the past several years has blown water over the, uh, the westernmost wall that protects the gap from that westerly, southwesterly uh, attack of waves. And waves have blown over the top of that and carried a lot of sediment over, and we're seeing siltation now uh, coming from the western side of that harbor, eating into the space that you have to get out the gap. That has to be dredged out. It's right now it's passable for small vessels. Uh, last year, I, I know I, I remember seeing this uh, massive beach that was forming uh, behind that western break wall. And uh, my buddy's 21 and a half foot Lund coming in from uh, the second day of the South Towns Walleye uh, Tournament last June. Uh, we were riding seven footers coming in, and uh, you know we fortunately made the turn surfing in uh, to make that left turn before we hit the beach. I don't think we would have that opportunity to make that left turn now with the way the beach looks. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if a, a 21 foot vessel can get through that gap right now. Fortunately. Barcelona is not just, you know, categorized as a recreational marina uh, like uh, Sturgeon Point is. It's actually categorized as a harbor, which means it can handle bigger vessels and there are greater demands because it is a safe harbor uh, categorized as a harbor uh, that has to be opened up. So there will be dredging that will be done at Barcelona to get rid of that. When that's going to happen, don't know. But uh, hopefully it'll happen before that May 1st uh, opener of walleye and bass because those boats are going to be getting out there, and that's only a couple weeks away. So um, you, know, you can call your Chautauqua County legislators and make sure that they're putting the proper pressure on the authorities at the state and at the uh, Army Corps of Engineers uh, to make sure that dredging is done. And, uh, you know, it's looking like a great spring. People have some fun. Get out there and enjoy uh you know we're going to have more information to keep you posted um you know due diligence keep your eyes peeled and uh you know remember if you carry it in carry it out uh enjoy the weather enjoy the spring and uh we will see you next week at we love outdoors with rich davenport